You are listening to the Cuss Running Podcast, where we believe that running should be whimsical and that everyone belongs. Run as you are. Today on the Cuss Running Podcast, our guest is Jake Federowski. Jake is an accomplished roadrunner, but on top of that, they are a non-binary athlete who is at the forefront of working with the major marathons and road races to change their non-binary and trans policies, and I am just stoked to talk to them today. Jake, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. You know, to start out, I want to hear your running story. How did you get into it? Well, thank you for having me. Um, (laughs) How did I get into running? I mean, as anyone gets into running, I feel like I kind of just ended up here. (laughs) Um, You know, like as I was, when I was a kid, I, I grew up in Minnesota. And so my parents had me playing hockey and I played (laughs) soccer and I played baseball. I mean, I played all those team sports that any, you know, quote unquote, boy is supposed to play. Yeah. Um, And I never really enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed like the competitive side of things and I enjoyed um, being athletic and and moving, but I didn't ever really enjoy the culture. And so I I have a feeling (laughs) um, looking back on it, like that's why I ended up not sticking with any of it, right? I I looked at the culture. I looked at the, the spaces that I was, um, participating in and, and realized like it wasn't really a space for me. And I didn't really know why at the time I just was at the time thought, Oh, I don't like it. Move on to the next thing. Um, and eventually found, you know, theater and, and music and the arts. And like, that was a space that excited me and I was passionate about. Um, and so it wasn't until like, I was going to school in Chicago and had this realization that, wow, I really need to like stay in shape and like take care of my body. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I started to started to do a few like individual type things, right? Like I was rollerblading and I was biking and I tried running and those were in that moment because it was just my, you know, me, myself and I, um, I, I kind of found, I rediscovered this joy of movement um, and I didn't have to worry about fitting into a team or fitting into a, a pre-existing, you know, culture um, mm-hmm. or community. I could just go out, be on my own, run along the lake, um, and that that was a happy place. Um, and so from there, you know, I, I started to look into more racing, you know, doing doing some five Ks, and never imagined I would ever be doing a marathon. <laughs> um, when I moved to to Seattle, then in gosh 2021 i i discovered the the local lgbtq plus running club here which is seattle front runners and for the first time started to realize that oh this thing that i thought was an individual activity can actually be done with a group and it can mm-hmm. be done with a a group that supports you and uplifts you and and encourages you to to reach you know goals you never thought were attainable and and or, or were never reachable right and that's where I started to train for, for my first marathon. And, you know, I, now I'm going on to marathon, I think number three, like that sort of community that I eventually found, um, you know, was something I never thought existed and I never would have thought existed as a child. Um, and so I'm so grateful for that, uh, you know, the, for finding that group, for finding that space, because then. Then once I got there, I started to realize like I had this advocacy type brain where like I want to create a space that is inclusive of everyone, you know, 
Um, and how can we start to shift the, the running industry? How can we start to make some, um, some, some movement uh, for, for queer folks? And, and I, I really, you know, credit uh, that group and, and my, you know, my finding of that group as that pivotal moment where I rediscovered running, you know, as a, as a sport, as a community. Um, and, you know, the, the, the 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 fire it lit in me right that spark that it set off and like wow this industry has some work to do and and how can I help make that happen yeah it's interesting something you said and mainly because I just talked to my nephew last week and he is you know cis hetero male right mm -hmm. and he's in Brazilian jiu-jitsu now and he was like quoting Ooh. to me something that one of his friends had said about we're gonna go beat up these pussies like that's what he said and I was like well I'm mm. gonna ignore that comment right now because he knows right mm -hmm. but you touched on something about like how you know patriarchal and like toxic masculinity most team sports are mm -hmm. disgustingly so and like how running is almost got to be one of the most progressive sports at this point mm -hmm. in terms of the conversations they're willing to have. And I don't know if part of that is because it is such a solo sport. You know? <laughs> like, is it, is that the reason? Cause we are so separated. I mean, it's a great community, but when you put all of us in a room, does, does the toxic masculinity come back up? I don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't have that perception, but I don't think it does. I don't get the vibe that it does. But is that the reason that the culture can be that way because we're all separated? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, a lot of the work I do, right, is in creating these non-binary divisions. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it, because it's such an individual type sport, it's a lot easier to implement new divisions because you're only having to to deal with like individual participants. Mm -hmm. um, the minute you start to think about it as like a team sport really just hurts my brain <laughs> because the logistics of that I'm sure is just so much more complicated. And, you know, I, that's why, that's why I believe the work that we're doing in the running industry, whether it be, you know, the, these initiatives that are focused on queer inclusion, um, but also, you know, BIPOC inclusion and the inclusion of athletes with disabilities, right. I think running can serve as the model, right? It can serve as a leader in the the sport world, um, you know, and I think it is. I think we're seeing some of this change happening, you know, in the triathlon space and, and it's starting to kind of spill over, right? Uh, we're seeing it in the cycling community. And, you know, I, I think it's only a matter of time before we start to see it really make its way into, let's say, hockey or, um, you know, I don't what else is out there, baseball, basketball, <laughs> right? Like, I think that's what's really exciting about the work that, you know, I'm doing that a lot of, you know, the, the advocates in this space are doing, because I think at some point, society is going to be looking at the running industry um, for, for guidance, right. On how to start to do this on a larger scale when it comes to other, you know, aspects of sport, or even just like, I just think a little bit about like the corporate world, right. Or about these other, you know, spaces, um, in which, you know, or, or these other spaces, which are still so exclusive, right. And how can we start to make them more inclusive and, and start to remove this, that, that toxic masculinity that you were speaking of, um, I think running ha is kind of at a really neat position or is it in a really neat position because it can kind of serve as that role model or as that yeah. leader. 
Yeah. And it's interesting, even in the way that it's coming about is very like reflective of the gay rights movement to start out, which was originally led by trans people. Mm -hmm. And so for it to be trans people kind of leading the way in the running industry just makes sense. I don't know if it's personality wise or why that be. I'm sure someone (laughs) could do a study on it, but it's an interesting reflection that that's what you see. Okay. So I'm curious when in your coming out as non-binary, how does that correlate to you becoming a runner? Like how aligned were those or which came first? You know, I would say I, I found running first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I came out as, you know, at the time gay um, yeah. when I was in high school and at that was never a runner at that point. Like God, yeah. you couldn't have paid <laughs> me to like run a mile. Um but then, you know, as like as I got into college and started to kind of settle into this, this because it was later in high school that I came out. So college was really my time to settle into my queer identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also the time that I started to to discover running, as I said. Um, I wasn't able to really put words to my gender identity and and, you know, this discovery of, um, you know, my non-binary identity until I moved to, uh, to Seattle. Um, I was actually working on a podcast of my own oh, awesome! and through that process was doing a lot more research, you know, into, que- you know, the queer experience and, um, you know, trans and non-binary folks. And that's where I started to realize, Oh, okay. This is starting <laughs> to make a lot more yeah, sense. Things now. are clicking. Things are clicking. Yeah. But by that time, I had already found running and like was really, you know, um, uh, my running goals were starting to develop. So they sort of kind of happened at the same time. Um, But I think, you know, definitely running came first. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I, you know, I I see them as these two things that live um, kind of along parallel tracks, right? Yeah. Um, And the intersectionality of of my existence as a non-binary person and as a runner um, has really become a big part of my life. Um, and that's, you know, where a lot of my advocacy is, is at that intersection of those two, um, experiences. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that is the common narrative now. And I feel like when I was in high school, what you did is you came out as bisexual first Mm. and then you came out as gay. And that was like the transition of like you figuring even out for yourself, but now there's more of a transition of, you know, you come as gay and then you find the words and understanding, like you don't, you didn't have the language in high school to even say what you're going through. And now society has the language to say that, which I love that the word queer has become like, yes, bring that back. I love it so much because gender, you know, gender identity and sexuality are separate, Mm -hmm. but we get lumped into this. They get lumped into the same thing for multiple reasons. And so it's like, I watched what David Sedaris gave this like old man shaking his fist at the sky about, you know, he hates the term queer Mm -hmm. and he won't do it. And I was like, shut up. Like, there's new language in society. Societies adapt languages. And now people have the actual words to describe what they are. These people aren't new. We are not mm-hmm. new in the world. We just have the actual definition. Okay. We could go on a whole rant about that, but I <laughs> want to talk to you about how you got into the advocacy side, you know, like how did it start? What was the primary motivation and like, where have you gone thus far with it? Yeah, so it definitely started in Front Runners. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I joined Front Runners, I saw a very, um, I saw a group of a lot of white cis gay men. Yes, and I think that is 
sort of the at least the the white cis men part is sort yeah. of the narrative or is the narrative um for the larger running industry yes um and when it comes to you know these queer or or you know lgbtq plus um uh running clubs that's it, the narrative is that it is a very cis yes. um gay centric yes and i you know coming into that space as a non-binary person was like well hold on a second like how could we how can we start to open this up and expand the membership? And so I ran for the board and I, I started to look into the membership side of things and, and trying to work on expanding it and being more inclusive and, and engaging in the DEI initiatives that we were doing. And in doing that, it provided this, I don't know, this, this courage, right? Or it, it, it gave me the courage, I should say, <laughs> to start to look at the industry as a whole, because at this time, I was only participating in races, uh, you know, in, in the men's section or in the men's divisions, um, because that was what was available to me and what I could pass as. Yeah. Um, and by, you know, doing, by starting to do this advocacy work on a smaller scale with the front runners, I started to look, you know, uh, at the larger industry and realize, okay, there's actually a lot of work to do out here as well. Um, and that's where I then started to get the courage to, just start to reach out to race directors and say, hey, you know, because at the time I was seeing what was happening at Philadelphia Distance Run and what was mm -hmm. happening at the New York City Marathon, um, you know, with their non-binary divisions. This thing that I didn't think was ever possible is happening, right? Mm -hmm. it, someone's doing it. So I started to write to race directors and say, hey, I'm non-binary. I would love to run your race, but I don't see a space in which I can register, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, currently, I, I the, the two options that are available, I do not fit into. So how can we work to make some sort of accommodation or build something that replicates what's happening in these other races? And, you know, in that moment, I got some replies that were like, yep, we want to do that, but we have no idea how. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it, it, you know, I could have just left it there. I could have let them like run off and do it. And there was, you know, there were a few races that like went out and kind of did their own work and came back. Mm -hmm. um, but there, the other part of me that was like, I, I just want to get, I want to get this done. Like I want to develop something. I ran out and got, I got the answers, right? I, I had conversations with the people who were doing the work in New York, who were doing the work at the Philadelphia Distance Run, you know, speaking with other advocates and, um, you know, uh, queer and trans and, and non-binary folks in, in the industry and with the, you know, the industry and, uh, you know, event organizers, right? Mm -hmm. Like speaking to race directors, speaking to timers, speaking to registration platforms. How do we go about creating this new division um, you know, and creating an equitable division, right? Like, let's make sure that we're hitting all of the different elements that, you know, race directors are putting into for the men's division and the women's division. Um, how can we do the same thing or replicate, you know, some of that work for this non-binary division? And um, I was really just doing that to like, go back to this race director and say, you know, okay, I got some answers. Like, here you go, <laughs> let's, let's do it. But realized very quickly, oh, this is this is a bigger project. Like I'm I'm collecting something and creating something that has never been done before. How can I formalize that? How can I make this resource, this whatever I was creating, um, you know, ended up becoming a guide? But at the time, it was just like all these questions, all this information. How can I formalize this? How can I get this in front of other race directors, other industry personnel? 
other queer and trans folks and, and non-binary folks like myself who want to have these conversations but didn't have that knowledge, didn't have that confidence to step into a conversation with a race director and say, you know, hey, how can we make this happen? And so that that that's kind of like how it all started. And then from there, you know, I I formalized it. I I, you know, created a website, created a guide. And um, that really just set things <laughs> uh, set things up for uh, uh, many months of exciting conversations, opportunities, and uh, introductions. <laughs> yeah, because so far, like I know that you worked with the Chicago Marathon, right? Mm-hmm. What other marathons have you worked with? So the first one that I like officially, you know, partnered with mm-hmm. or consulted for was the San Francisco Marathon. Gotcha. Um, and then the next one was, was Chicago and, you know, I've, I've had lots of conversations just, you know, over email or, or over, you know, um, zoom with, um, with folks from other companies or from other races and whatnot there. It's not necessarily like official consulting things, but I've spoken with so many people, um, you know, folks from Boston and folks, you know, from different countries, folks from Canada. I mean, (laughs) it's so exciting because, First of all, everyone knows everyone. Um, <laughs> but what what I'm learning is that the majority of the industry wants to do this work. Mm-hmm. The majority of you know race organizers out there are interested in creating more inclusive spaces, but they just they don't know how. They they're afraid of making mistakes. Um, you know, there's just, you know, you could list a whole, um, or you could write a book about the whole list of things that people come up with, right, of why they're not doing this work. Um, But I think it just starts like that. It starts with a conversation. It starts by asking those questions, which is how I started all of this, was simply asking the race director, um, you know, hey, how can we make this happen? Um, And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a really exciting, gosh, to almost two years, yeah, maybe maybe more like twenty <laughs> months. I don't know, um, but I, I am so grateful for everyone who has kind of leaned into the work and is engaged in the conversations with me and and with you know the other queer, trans, and, and non-binary folks out there that are um, that are kind of leading this movement. Yeah, it does definitely seem. I mean, from my perspective, I'm a race director, obviously in the trail and ultra scene, not the road scene, but it does seem like dominoes have now fallen. Right. Mm-hmm. So where two years ago, no one was expected to have any of this. Mm-hmm. Race directors didn't have to think about it. That at least now, even if a race director does not have a policy, it's on their radar. Like they are aware that like, oh, we should have a policy. And one of the issues I see about why it, you know, is taking longer than I would hope or you would hope is that there's not a lot of queer race directors. There's not a lot of diversity mm in race directors across the board trail and road it looks the same Mm -hmm. up top like I think I only know personally one other queer race director in the trail and ultra scene and I'm like this is part of the problem and like how do we encourage queer people BIPOC to become race directors you know Mm -hmm. like build the communities that you would want to be a part of and I don't know how to make somebody be a race director but (laughs) I wish they would you know I would go to those races but like I was looking around last year and I was just like wait a second, every single one of these RDs is a cis, hetero, white dude. And like, Mm -hmm. that's why progress is delayed is because 
they're not seeing like their eyes are not open wide enough. And some of them are, you know, I have race directors that are very progressive and are with it and inclusive, but like most of them, they, they just don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they're trying to not let people come in. It's just, they don't know, but they also aren't aware to like, if you don't say that you're a safe space, the assumption is that you're not, Yeah. you know, yeah. and like, if you're not putting it out there that like, oh, we have these policies, this is how you register. Someone's sitting there with their, you know, trying to register and like, well, what do I do? Do I show up as myself that day? Or do I, I show up as like, and like, that's devastating for people. And they don't realize like, I hate the narrative around pronouns and like people get scared. Like I'm going to mess up their pronouns. Like, no, most people don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> what they care is like, you're actually seeing them for the human being that they are on the other side and not just like, oh, that's the non-binary person. Be sure it's like, no, like I'm just a human being in front of mm-hmm. you. And like, I also have the same conversations with race directors that are so nervous, but they want to do the work. And I'm like, well, don't be nervous. No one's going to get mad at you. And even if you have to change your story down the road, like I can't, and if someone gets mad at you because you didn't have the policy that written exactly, they would have it. Like they're just a straight asshole. And mm-hmm. I don't know what to say to you about that. Like, yeah, like we have assholes in our community too, but like most mm-hmm. of us are going to be like, thank you. You know, yep. thank you. Ugh. Oh my gosh. Well, I think, you know, the, the, that point that you made about representation is, is so important. And that's, it's actually kind of what I'm, I'm currently working um, on in the industry is looking at like the conferences, right. Mm-hmm. Looking at the leadership, looking at the, the race organizers, the directors, et cetera. Um, and asking like, where is the queer representation and yeah. why is it not there? And how can we get it there? Um, and I think, you know, there, there are places that are, you know, that are starting to, um, you know, it was just announced that I, I'm one of the recipients of this DEI scholarship going to the running USA conference. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Um, shout out to Michael Clemens. Um, (laughs) but I, you know, I think those, that those sort of programs, right. And starting to funnel in more, diverse representation into these conferences and trade shows and whatnot like that's that's important that's how we start to get people into the into the space to to have more of these conversations um you know it's diversifying your board right diversifying the teams that are putting together these events um that needs to be made a priority right a lot of I, I, I'm excited by the the work that's happening with, you know, all these non-binary divisions, but like, that's just a small part of the industry. There's all sorts of other things that also <laughs> need to happen. And that, you know, goes into what you were talking about, about, you know, who's, who's in these leadership roles, who's, who's a part of these, um, who, who has the decision-making power, um, and, you know, because, and, and once again, to the represent, representation point, that's how we encourage the next generation to show up as their authentic selves, right? Is by putting um, ourselves, meaning, you know, queer, uh, trans, non-binary folks, any sort of marginalized community, putting ourselves out there and showing up and, and saying, you know, that we are here, we do exist because, you know, that's going to show the next generation that, oh, you can't, like, you do have a space in this industry as well. You can run in these divisions. You can lead these, um, you know, these organizations. You can be a race director. That That's so important to me, at least. It, and, you know, why I'm just so out and proud and loud about it 
Um, you know, I don't cross the finish line anymore without a non-binary flag, you know, mm-hmm. on my person somehow. Um, just because I think it's so important to see that, right? Like when I was a kid, if I would have seen that and and had that language or been able to ask those questions, I mean, my gosh, I would have come to this um this this moment or this um this part of my life where I'm just so happy and I'm so content with who I am and and the space that I exist in, I would have come to that so much faster, right? And you know, who's to say what sort of life that would have meant, right? Or how that could have affected me for the better, I don't know, for the worse, who knows, <laughs> right? Um, but that just, it comes down to representation. And I, that's something I, uh, something I'm working on, you know, um, with the larger industry in this moment is just trying to get more people at the table that, you know, are queer, that are BIPOC, that are, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I love that you, you had copied me on that email the other day with one of the running conferences and it oh, yeah. reminded me that I had had this, you know, a leader of one of the running conferences, but it was like a, a British based running conference that was trying to establish dominance in the U S and they had a Chicago show that like, wasn't even sold out. And they're like, wanted me to tell my people to come. And I was like, well, let me get on a call because I don't know you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, you know, I've scanned and like, there's, there's no representation here. Like yeah. none. And then even on your website, there's no addressing, there's nothing. And this lady was just in, in England said, Oh, you know, I guess we just didn't think about it because we don't have homophobia here. Right. Mm. <laughs> I was mm. like, what? And this is why it's important to have diversity in yeah. your leadership because I was like, lady, you are delusional right now. Yeah. Oh my, yep. you have one of the biggest representations of transphobia as like the leader, you know, like as mm-hmm. one of the most popular people from your country, like, how could you mm-hmm. say that? And so it's just like, there, there's ignorance at that upper level where they don't even realize like, ugh. and like why stuff matters. Like for us, you know, we have a child, we use they, them pronouns, and that's like off-putting for people. Mm-hmm. And they think like, we're shoving our agenda down their throat. And I'm like, well, one, like I'm queer, you know, and I have other people in my family who are queer. So it's a good likelihood based on genetics. This mm-hmm. kid might be, and if if they are, if they aren't, like they should at least have the language to know and not have gender shoved down their throat. And with a child, man, gender is shoved down your throat as mm-hmm. a baby. It is yeah. so crazy to me. From the much- po- before you're even born, before it's it, even they started off, and I'm oh yeah, I could go off on a tangent about that. Like, <laughs> we're like living in our queer bubble. Oh, right, are we quiet? We're like living in our queer bubbles, right? Like, which is what I do. I live in my queer bubble. Everyone uses mm-hmm. the right like language, but parenting makes me live outside of that queer bubble, and it's mm-hmm. like unsettling. It's, um, I think what's crazy for me is how little like someone who's just straight and cis thinks about it in the world because society fits them. That if you stop to think about it for a second, you're like what is happening? Why do we do this stuff? And I love Gen Z. They're my favorite because what is it like? The stats are like 20% of Gen Z is queer. One in five. Because they have the language to define Mm -hmm. themselves. And I like, I'm here for them and I'm here for their language and I'm here for their desire for authenticity. And I think, you know, I love that you're a leader in that generation, right? You're Gen Z, right? I think I'm right on the cusp of the the two. Um, Because I, isn't Gen Z like 90s? 
eight, <laughs> six, I don't know. I don't know. I'm on the, the cusp. You're I'm all, on the you're, cusp. You're in the middle of millennial and Gen yeah. Z, but like you're a leader to already baby Gen Zers out there being like, mm. oh, there's language and there's people that look like me in this industry. And I can, you know, do my high school cross country match, right? Mm-hmm. Because those people are going to have to start having conversations and I can just show up as myself. And then in Nikki Hiltz, right? Yeah. The most popular non-binary athlete that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. like just showing up and people don't realize like, it's so scary to just keep showing up as yourself and putting yourself mm-hmm. out there. Cause I'm sure you've gotten hate messages. Oh gosh. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, Oh, it's so like, you're continuing to show up as yourself and not even realize like what a positive impact that I'm, po- you know, certain that you're having in the world. And I think yeah. I'm impressed by you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so Jay, I, I, well, I was ahead. just going to say too, that like, I, that, you know, that's the big thing I'm thinking about right now too, is like the future of this sport, right? Specifically when it comes to Gen Z, because there's all this data out there right now, like people are talking about how, you know, Gen Z participation is declining in the sport, you know, less Gen Z or or the percentages are are slowly falling. Um, And there's all these, you know, conversations about why that's happening. And I just can't help but think like, maybe we're looking at that you know, we're not looking at that the right way. Maybe we're not thinking about, um, you know, to your point about the stats of 20% identifying as queer, how are we accommodating for that part of the generation in this industry? Because right now we're not really, you know, I mean, what policies are out there? What sort of conversations are happening? What sort of representation are at these conferences or on these boards or in these leadership roles? And maybe it's time that we start to center the narrative around, um, you know, the queer, uh, queer inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the run sign up report was just released the other day, which show, you know, they track participation levels. And last year in 2022, it's the first year that the Gen Z number actually over the last like six years spiked back up. Oh, wow. And it's interesting, and I can't help but notice that the only thing that changed between 2021 and 2022 is the introduction uh, on a large scale of non-binary divisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I mean, even because that's saying like, you're welcome here, like you belong here. We're thinking mm-hmm. about you here. You can show up as yourself here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I love that stat. That's amazing. I yeah. haven't seen that. Yeah, that's, you know, you know, little foreshadowing of what I'm currently working on <laughs> oh. um, is doing some sort of like, I'm, I'm going to start to really focus on that. That's going to be my like next thing is the, the industry is so, you know, they're, they're ringing the alarm bells right now about Gen Z participation, but I don't think they're actually, they're not addressing the real reasons why. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to start to call that out. I think that's my... Yeah. My next uh, project. I love that. (laughs) Speaking of next projects, Jake, what are you training for? What's going on with your personal running right now? Oh, good Lord. Um, (laughs) My next race is a uh, a little known race called the Boston Marathon. Oh, just a little known one. (laughs) Very under the radar. Oh, no, I'm super excited. This is, um, this will be Boston's inaugural year Mm -hmm. for the non-binary division. Um, and I was, I'm one of the, I think there's 22 of us that are running the division and, you know, last year was just a super busy year with, with advocacy that, you know, over the summer and with all the consulting I was doing, I just, my running 
training schedule really just took a hiatus. Um, and so now kind of over the winter here, I'm, I'm really getting back into it and trying to kind of build up my strength and, and, you know, endurance and whatnot to prepare for Boston. Um, and then after Boston, I'm also running Chicago in the fall. Oh, awesome. Um, so it'll, it'll be a busy, a busy year for, for, you know, road, road racing, but at the same time, I'm also going to go up in June to Whistler to run there. They have a half marathon in Whistler and it's a trail race. Um, and that's been a thing that I, I've really kind of started to discover this love of trail running, um, and, you know, really trying to kind of find a space in that sport as well, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's a completely different type of running. Yeah. And, you know, it's a different, it, it has a different feeling. It's, it almost has a different community to it. Um, so yeah, just kind of exploring both, both worlds right now. Um, but yeah, sh- or, uh, Boston is next and, uh, I'm really excited. I'm excited about, you know, just being in that space with all of those non-binary folks and just really showing up at a, at a, at a race that will definitely get some attention. Yeah. Um, that's so, the crazy getting yeah. to be there at like literally a historic moment. You're getting to be at that race and that race obviously has a very lush history, but you're getting to yeah. be there at a historic moment. And who can say that? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. here. I'm literally making history right now. Yeah. That's so fun and crazy. And yeah. I'm sure it's just going to be like an awesome race day for you. Well, and it, it, it definitely builds off of what I think was also a historic year last year. Um, 2022 was the 50th anniversary yeah. of women having been allowed to enter the Boston Marathon and, you know, the larger running industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was on a, I was on a panel at the New York City Marathon last year with, with Catherine Switzer, who is the, you know, the first woman to have run Boston unofficially. Um but, you know, just being in the room with her even was just so, yeah, um, great. was so cool. And like, I, I have, I've got chills already, um, <laughs> but just getting to build on that history and to like make people aware that it was only 50 years ago yeah. that women were allowed to register for these races. Like that to me is still mind boggling. Like I, that I just, it's hard to even process. Yeah. Um, and, you know, here we are, you know, 50 years later, working to, you know, continuing that initiative and continuing to bring more women into the sport, but also now bringing in those who exist outside of, you know, the gender binary of men and women. So yeah. it's really an exciting time in, in the industry and in society as a whole. I mean, we're also up against all this anti-trans legislation oh gosh, yeah. and, you know, that, you know, speaking of Gen Z and the next generation, like how they're being affected by some of it. Cause a lot of that legislation is being directly pointed at youth, right. And youth yeah. sport. Um, and so it's just a really interesting time where we are seeing a lot of exciting progress on one end, but then we're also seeing a lot of, um, in my opinion, um, backstep or backs, backsteps, but stepping back, <laughs> whatever that word is going back in time where, you know, I just, it, it, it's so frustrating and I, it gets me so angry to think about, you know, some of these people making these legislature, making these bills and, and trying to pass this legislation because a lot of the time, once again, to the representation point, mm-hmm. it's not queer folks introducing <laughs> these bills and this legislation. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of cis white heterosexual you know, men and sometimes women 
you know, passing this legislation. And I just, it, oh, it's so frustrating. Oh, it's so disgusting. I know I've had multiple arguments with people about, you know, I obviously have incredibly progressive trans policies on mine, but other race directors do as well. And people will argue like, well, a woman lost, you know, Mm. or like someone's not going to get their medal or someone didn't rank 20th out of whatever, how many contenders because of the policies. And I just want to be like, I don't give a fuck. Like you winning a race and you ranking means nothing to Mm -hmm. someone trying to exist in the world, right? Like it means nothing. They're not even on the same level of comparison. Like they just aren't. And so like, I can't even stand that argument. I can't because people don't even like, it is terrible to come out as trans in a situation where you have been already led in your life to learn that trans is wrong, right? And the narrative mm-hmm. of like, it's hard for a lot of people to come out when they've already become homophobic <laughs> through society. Yeah. And so the shame and self-hatred around that, I'm like, let the eight, nine, 10 year old show the fuck up. They're mm-hmm. a child, you know, and the suicide rates among trans people. I'm like, I, no one's killing themselves because they didn't come in third at a mm-hmm. race. You know, but they are killing themselves because of being trans and because of society does to trans people. Mm-hmm. And like and it's society even... telling them that it that that's wrong. Yeah. And that, that is not um, you know, that, that that existence is not valid. And yeah. that, yeah, I mean, I think to the earlier point about, you know, the industry and, and placing, and I, mm-hmm. I think we as an industry are gonna start to go through this shift in which in which we we have to kind of re- prioritize how we are approaching competition, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, so much focus, right? So much social media coverage and, and media attention is put on, you know, who's the top, who's the fastest person? Who is the, who came in second? And like, did they beat the record? Which like, that's exciting. And I'm yeah. glad that that's happening. Yeah. But there are some races out there that have 40,000 people. Yeah. Like, by focusing on that one person that's leading, like there's so, there's, you know, 30,000 plus yeah. um, other opportunities to feature stories and to connect and engage with these people who maybe it's their first marathon. Maybe it's, they're coming back from some in- industry. Maybe it's the first time they're participating in this division. I mean, there is just so much more to celebrate, I think. Um, you know, there, there's so much more accomplishments out there that we could be focusing on. And, you know, not be so, um, I don't know, not be so focused on this, like, well, who's coming in first, who's coming in second, how much money are they getting? It's like, I get it to some degree on like the professional elite level, but I don't know. I just think that there's so much more, it's so much more important just to let people show up as their authentic selves and participate and not have to worry about being misgendered, not have to worry about being harassed, not have to worry about any of those things. It should just be a space to run and to participate freely. Yeah. Bam. Done. It should be. (laughs) And if we (laughs) controlled it, it would be. It would be. It Mm -hmm. would be. And, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually, hopefully, that will diversify at the top. And then, you know, we will, liter- I mean, you and I probably will be much older by then, but mm-hmm. eventually we will control the top. Um, Jake, you're so lovely. I'm always happy when I talk to you oh. because like, you're like motivational and inspiring. So like, just keep being yourself out in the world. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast, you know, and I'm excited to see what you do next. 
Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, thank you so much. Uh, stay tuned for <laughs> for what what I'm working on. Um, I'm being very like you yeah, know I mysterious about it, but yeah. um, there there's some exciting. I think you know 2022 was a really exciting. Well, I think well first of all 2021 into 2022 is exciting with kind of the first introduction of a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 2022, we saw a lot of movement with all the, you know, or I guess not all, but five of the top six world majors added a non-binary division. Um, I think 2023 then is now the year that it's going to start to, it's really going to start to catch on. And I think we've got some exciting stuff in the works. And um, at this point, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't understand why race directors or why organizers wouldn't be engaging in it, in it mm-hmm. at this point. Like, why not build a more inclusive space? Whether that's for queer folks, BIPOC folks, I mean, any any sort of marginalized group, like, why not make it a more inclusive space? Because at the end of the day, that's only going to just go to, you know, create a better industry and to boost your participation levels. I mean, it it is a win-win situation for everyone. Um and I just, yeah, I, oh. the people who are like, no, we can't do that. Or no, I don't want, it's like, oh, why? Give me, yeah. give me a good reason because I've yet to hear one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause there's not a good reason. There's not a good reason at all. And eventually, eventually it'll, it'll all work out eventually. Yeah. I don't know how long that's going to take. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay. Jake, thank you so much. I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you. You too.